Welcome to the Beach Catholic Podcast. We've got a great show for you today. Uh, Today we're going to be recapping this past Sunday's Gospel and Homily and diving a little further into the topic of shepherds. Uh, To do so, as usual, I've got Father Brian Barr with me. How are you, Father? I'm good. How you doing, Lawrence? Doing well. So, uh, unfortunately, Father, due to some technical issues, we weren't able to upload our uh, typical homily episode for the podcast. So, for the listeners, uh, if, if you don't mind, uh, if you could recap the gospel from this past Sunday and and your homily from this past Sunday as well. Sure, sure, I will. It's, um, yeah, it was well, it's what we call Good Shepherd Sunday. So, it's uh, one, of the go- one of the Sundays where we hear from uh, the Gospels where Jesus describes himself as the Good Shepherd. Um, just the kind of this iconic uh, image and description of, of himself in relation to us. Um, the Good Shepherd, you know, the Shepherd, not, not the hired gun who uh, doesn't really care about his sheep, um, for whom it's just a job. The Good Shepherd is... He said, it, you know, he lays down his life. He lays, he's willing to lay down his life um, for his sheep. He protects the sheep. He watches over them. And maybe most importantly, he just he's with them. He spends time. The good shepherd spends quality time with the sheep. And in the course of that time, um, they come to know each other. Uh, the shepherd speaks to the sheep, and the sheep recognize his voice. And then because of that, they follow him. Um, you know, the uh, sometimes I think with with the Gospels, it's from you know, obviously they're from a long time ago and a kind of a faraway place in a, in a sense. And on one level, they're timeless; the truths are timeless. But on another level, they're you know they they were spoken in a particular time. And um, I think it's it's good to sometimes just consider the context, the historical situation, like what what was going on, what what did. People in the time of Jesus absolutely would have gotten this image. They would have known because they all knew what shepherds were about. Um, for us, you know, maybe not quite, certainly not not that familiar to most of us. Um, I yeah, simple, I, I um, couldn't name a, a, a single shepherd that I know today. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly right. You know, it's just kind of a foreign uh, foreign job. Um, but you know, and this was I, I did a little bit of, a little bit of homework just to kind of get a sense of what what was going on and how, how they operated. And here's a little bit of what I, what I found out. I think this, this makes it kind of fleshes out. It brings the, the image and, and his words to, to just even more life. Uh, you know, picture like you got five or six shepherds and they've each got a whole bunch of different sheep, their own sheep. During the day, they're out uh, in the fields and uh, they're on their own. So you got, you're a shepherd, say I'm a shepherd and there's three or four others. We're doing our own thing. Uh, taking care of, watching over our own sheep during the day. At night, what they would do is they'd all kind of come together, and um, and they put all of they basically kind of pool resources. So the six of us have a whole bunch of sheep. We put them all together in the same sheepfold in the she- same pen, and they really kind of mix together. Um, and the reason they would do that was it was uh, like I said, it was practical. It was kind of like a strength in numbers thing. Uh, one of the concerns was thieves and robbers and and wolves the fact that they could just be um they could be stolen or to be or could be attacked so if i've got if i'm a shepherd and i have five other shepherds there we each we each have each other's back so uh that was part of it another part of it was also practical it was just kind of company it was if i'm 
if I'm out in the field all day, um, it'd be just nice to have some some comfort, some time to kind of see other human beings, just to you know maybe share a meal and and, and conversation. So that's what you had going on. Um, so at, at night they're all together, all the sheep are hanging out. But then in the morning, what would happen is um, they they go out individually. So say uh, say I go out, I'm the first one. I leave the pen and I'm a shepherd. And I start to call my sheep. Because I speak to them, because I spend time with them during the day, they know me. They know my voice. I know their names, and I call them by name, and they follow me out. Um, say you were to go out and pretend you were me, and you start to call out my sheep by name. They're not coming because they're not going to recognize your voice. The good shepherd. They're they're not. If you're a good shepherd, you're spending time. Uh, with the sheep, and in the course of that, they come to know you, they come to trust you, and they follow you. So that's kind of where Jesus was going, um, I think, with the, with this image. And he was, I think, he was probably saying two things. One, he was saying he is the good shepherd. You know, he is the one who was with us. He is the one that protects us, that will lay down his life for us, and who knows us. Um, and I think, kind of, by extension, you also we're also challenged to be shepherds, you know, to the people in our lives. Certainly, um, I think a, an important message and challenge for parents, like am I, the shepherd that I described, that whole, that whole scenario there, like if I'm a parent, like, uh, do my, do my sheep know who I am? Like, am I with my kids? Am I present to them? Do they, do they know my voice? Um, well, you had a, you had a great example this past Sunday, um, if you could just tell this story uh, really quickly again about, uh, I believe uh, a son who was a priest and he was doing a, uh, oh right, he right. was doing a funeral and actually uh, recognized his father. If you if you could tell that story, yeah, it was kind of an amazing, uh, well, kind of a story within a story. Um, people uh, may may well remember the movie, um, the Amityville Horror. Um, Kind of, you know, a horror movie, very loosely based on a on an actual event, and it was a it was a, a mass murder that took place uh, in Amityville, Long Island, back in the early '70s. And uh, people, uh, this guy killed most of his family, and then you know the ghost story element was people moved into the house. It was a haunted house, and then a book was written. A bunch of movies were made. Um, what's kind of true about the story is these murders. And uh, I know the priest who was uh, assigned to Amity, he was at the church, the parish in Amityville at the time of those murders, and he was called to the house that night uh, to bless the bodies, and then he, and then he had the responsibility of uh, doing the funeral mass for, for all of these deceased uh, family members. Anyway, he tells the story about and he, by the way, he was a brand new priest. He was a newly ordained priest. So just a massive amount of pressure and stress and anxiety in a moment like this, having to get up and celebrate a mass and, and preach. Um, and he and he told, talked about how he was feeling pressure, understandably. And uh, he got up and he was making his way over to the pulpit. And in the course of doing that, he hears a person in the midst of this very crowded church uh, clear his throat like a <clears throat> that kind of a thing and he knew who it was um he recognized it it was he, he knew as soon as he heard it that it was his father uh, apparently his dad had a 
you know, just a habit, kind of like this unique uh, habit of kind of clearing his throat a certain way. He didn't know his dad was there. He didn't know his dad was going to the funeral. But in that moment, he instantly knew he was there. Didn't even see him. Church was packed, but he heard him. And then when, and then said how at that point he just he calmed down. Uh, a lot of the you know, the fear and the anxiety uh, that he was fe uh, feeling in this moment, you know, getting ready to preach this homily, just kind of kind of went went away. And he and he he calmed down, and he he knew he wasn't alone. And this incredibly important person in his in his life, his father, his presence, just his presence, kind of put him at ease. And uh, and he wouldn't have known he was there had he not heard him clear his throat. And the reason he was able to recognize that so clearly was because, you know, he was a good shepherd. You know, the the shepherd spent a lot of time with that that sheep, with his son, father and son. And uh, I just thought it was kind of a a great image. Um, and again, like a I think a challenge, a challenge certainly for parents um, to be that source of uh, calm and and maybe hope in a, in a scary moment, that uh, their presence alone puts a person at ease. Um, at any rate, I think like there, there's, there's your, your good shepherd. Um, you know, you also hear uh, the first reading uh, from the Acts of the Apostles, all these weeks, most of these weeks during uh, the Easter season, we, we're hearing from the Acts of the Apostles, which is the early church, the church after, after the resurrection. And, uh, you got Peter. You got Peter this past week. He's preaching to uh, thousands of people. This is, I think it said 3,000 people were converted. Um, and it, it, here's the irony. You know, here's the guy. This is Peter who, not long before, hey, on, on Holy Thursday night, you know, we, we, and, on, and, on, and on Good Friday, we, we hear about betrayal and denial. You know, Peter was the denier, and now he denied even knowing Jesus, and now he's up preaching Jesus. He's preaching his gospel. And he's bold about it, you know. He's 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 calling out the people. He said, "You crucified him, you know. You 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 people are responsible for this." Like he didn't he didn't whitewash it. It wasn't he, he was he was kind of a straight shooter. And and I think there's maybe something to be said about that. Just kind of authentic preaching, you know, and 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 communication of the gospel is the most effective, you know. When you kind of cut corners and sugarcoat stuff because you're trying to keep peace at all costs that I think ultimately that's that that's it's it's not mission accomplished I don't think you, we achieve our purpose um, I think Peter became a good shepherd he became he became what Jesus was describing in the gospel yeah I mean some things just uh can't be left up to interpretation it's uh this right. is what it is right. so mm -hmm. uh, follow these they ask what should we do and he said you gotta repent so exactly right. uh, well l let me ask you this father i mean we're talking about good shepherds uh, i mean this is thousands of years ago so why do you feel that it's important to have these quote-unquote good shepherds in our society today uh, like even some personal good shepherds in our lives and and maybe you could touch on why it's important for some of us to maybe step step up into a role and become a shepherd for some people around us. Well, in a lot of ways, we're living in a, we're living in a day and a time and a culture where uh, people are hesitant hesitant to uh, speak truth. Um, they they feel pressure from 
lots of directions and lots of uh, places, which uh, you know, in kind of a politically correct time, it's uh, speaking certain truths. Just to sort of like people don't want to hear it. They, they don't want to hear it. Um, so if you're if you're growing up and you're and you're, ne you're just not hearing, you don't have compelling teachers. You don't have compelling examples in your life. People who speak truth, whether it's the priest in the pulpit or a teacher in a classroom, coach on the field, and for sure, you know, mom and dad at home, if they're not hearing about the gospel, if they're not hearing about hearing God's word and God's truth, where are they going to get it? Like they, they're, everybody's got something in their, you know, some headphone plugged in their ear everywhere you go. Like, Everybody's listening to something, and, and in most cases, it's not it's not the gospel. It's not God's truth. So, I just think it's uh, so critical that people in, in important positions of influence um, have got to have got to speak gospel truths. Um, like I mentioned on on Sunday, a experience I had. I was helping out in a parish uh, one summer, and it was actually just for a couple of weeks one summer, and a teacher in the, uh, the local high school, public high school, had died suddenly. And, and he, was a, he was a pretty uh, influential, pretty beloved figure, and his death was sudden. And uh, Anyway, the funeral, he, wasn't, he didn't live in the town where he taught, so I'm not even sure where the funeral was, but the uh, school community wanted to, wanted to, they didn't want to wait till the start of the school year. They didn't, you know, it was, this was early in the summer, and they just, they wanted to kind of gather and remember this teacher, so they put together a memorial service on the football field and they asked if a priest could come and I happened to be there so I went I just did an opening prayer but anyway it was just this remarkable tribute to this guy who uh, he was a longtime teacher and, and a coach and just uh, really the night was just a series of people who spoke about him paid tribute to him um, a number of colleagues and then an awful lot of former students present students former uh, players kids he coached and they just kind of told stories about this this man and uh, they kind of all said the same there's a couple of key uh, characteristics or qualities that they described and he just he pushed them like he, he pushed these kids to they said he had this you know kind of unique ability to know people's potential um, and he he knew he knew what a particular kid was capable of and if and he, and he challenged them to it. So if you, if you, if he knew you were a '90s student, then an, then an '85 just wasn't enough. Um, if he, if you could bench 225 pounds and you only did two, 200 this day, he'd he push it because like I know you're capable of more. And these people, mostly now adults, just got up and said they're so grateful because he believed in them. Um, he gave them time. He was present. He was present to these these at the time kids. Now most of them were adults. He uh, and he sounded like sort of a he. He was sort of politically incorrect. He he just he'd call parents out if they if they had to. If if you had parents who were you know defending their kids more than they should, you know in, a, in an excessive way and kind of helicopter parents who were just butting in more than they should have, he'd, he'd push him back. And he just, um, he was very refreshing. I, I almost, I, I think I mentioned it on Sunday, like I almost felt like I was hearing from about a, 
and an endangered an endangered uh, animal or something like a dinosaur, like a di something that was now extinct or almost extinct. Uh, it was just refreshing to hear uh, somebody who you know they said he he everybody kind of wanted to be his friend, but he he wasn't looking to be people's friends. He he knew who he was. Um, and I'm just thinking, man, yeah, he was a great coach and he was a great teacher. Well, he was a good shepherd. I think he was, people followed him. People listened to him. Uh, let me ask you this question, right? Because, I mean, he seemed like a great man, like a, like a great leader. But what qualities do you think that he possessed and put out there that not that, that put him from this good or great man up to the next level, which is sound, which sounds like he was. He sounded like a next level kind of guy. Um, sure. We all know great people in our lives, but what separates him from the rest? Do you think what qualities separate him from the rest? That's a great question. I mean, you know, I'll I'll, I'll take a stab at it. I didn't. I never actually met this guy. He he he, he died. I wish I had. I wish I had known him because I just hearing about his life. Um, but I think I think it would be this. He he sounded like a guy uh, for whom sacrifice was 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 common. You know, he, he sounded like he, I think he he sounded like he gave an incredible amount of time and heart and 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 presence to these kids that he served. So he he sacrificed. He put he put their needs over his own. Um, gospel. Jesus says, you know, the, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He like literally guards the gate. He guards the gate to keep wolves and thieves and, and bad guys from getting in. And if he loses his life in the process, that's what he's willing to do. Um, so on some level, I think this this teacher was that. I mean, I'm not saying he, he laid down his life, literally, but I think he sounded like he gave just a lot of himself, sacrificed a lot, to be present to these kids. So I say sacrifice would be a big part of it. Service, um, being there for others. I and mean, again, it's, I, think, I guess probably part of the, the sacrificial point. Um, knowing who he was, I love the fact that he said, they said about him that you know, he, wasn't, he wasn't looking to be your buddy. He wasn't looking to be your friend. He, he was looking to be, he knew who he was and he, and he and I think he knew what he needed to be to these kids at, at key moments in their lives. He wasn't, he didn't care about being popular. He didn't care about being liked. And I think that's key. I think that's what service is about. I think, you know, I think any, any parent of a teenager will, will say that. Yeah, there's times when I'm just, I know I'm, uh, I am not getting the, uh, you know, mom or dad of the year award this month because they're not, you know, he or she is not happy with me because you know, I had to say no to a couple of things, and and I'm being compared to uh, other parents out there, and, and I'm too. You know, I'm not cutting my kid enough slack, and I'm I'm not cool, and I'm not this, and I'm not that. Well, sir, you know what? It's not your job to be cool. It's not your job to be most popular. It's your job to be the shepherd. And if that makes you unpopular and even unliked at times. You're probably doing a good job because you're probably speaking truths that at times are tough to hear. You know, um, kind of like Jesus. You know, kind of like what happened to what Peter became. Kind of like any authentic disciple. You know, being authentic, you know, authenticity. I just think, I don't know. I just think these are all kind of 
key uh, qualities of, of discipleship, of this kind of this good shepherd uh, concept. It's, it's, yeah, I think that, that they would be, that would, they would be a bunch of them. You know, um, the way he talked about, they talked about his, his pushing them, pushing them to their potential. Um, like I mentioned Sunday's story about, and I don't know if this is a, a legend or not, but uh, Constantine, the, the Roman emperor, uh, right around the year 300. Um, prior to that, Rome is largely pagan, certainly not Christian. Church has been persecuted up to this point. He becomes a Christian. Uh, Constantine does. The church is no longer persecuted. The church kind of comes out of the shadows. Um, and he starts basically mandating Christ or Christianity to the emperor, uh, to the whole empire. So there's a story about his soldiers, uh, his armies, and he what he was doing is he was requiring them to be baptized. So you'd get like say 300 soldiers, Roman soldiers, and they would collectively go into the river and be baptized. They say what they say he said was this: you go into the water and you go under, but you don't go completely under. You keep your right hand above the water. Your right hand, he didn't want their right hand or their right arm being baptized um, because that was the hand that held the sword, the sword of power, the sword of, um, you know, conquest. And uh, it was, I think it was a little bit, like basically it was Constantine saying, yeah, I want you guys to have Jesus in your life, but not totally. Um, I want you to be, I want, I want you to be Christians, but not completely Christian because sometimes Christianity may, 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 conflict with with the empire and we don't want you doing that so kind of like you know jesus on my terms um and i think hey, i think we're all guilty of that at times i think that's what a lot of people kind of want from the church they want a comfortable church just a church that you know meets their needs but never really you know rocks the boat never really challenges them or, or their lives and uh you know, Peter, look again, look at Peter in this first reading from Acts. I mean, he, he's pretty blunt. He just says, hey, you people crucified him. He doesn't, he doesn't kind of cut corners with it. Um, and I think you know, there's the challenge for all of us to, to, to as, as much as authentically as possible be committed to the gospel uh, and, and you know, symbolically to completely go under the water. Um, I think this coach... Like, I think this teacher coach did. Like, I think he was, sounded to me like he was a guy that dove into the water and, and just lived it out. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Father, because it seems like the, all of this on paper is great. You know, I, I'd love to be this teacher coach who has no problem telling off parents and sticking my ground. Um, I have no problem, you know, I would love to be Peter telling everybody mm -hmm. to repent and, and, and going out there, telling my coworkers, you got to come to Mass, you got to come with me to Mass. Um, being the parent who's strict enough with their children, not being their friend. But again, easier said than done because I, I think what stops a lot of us from taking that leap to becoming Peter, to becoming this teacher coach, uh, to becoming that strict parent is fear, essentially. Uh so again, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know the fear of not being liked. <laughs> you know this the, mm -hmm. the fear of of what if I'm not accepted by my kids, by my coworkers, by society yep. kind of thing. I mean, am I wrong in saying that? 
I think you're, I mean, come on. I mean, I think you're, 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 you're dead on. And I think it's, you know, I think fear, you know, they say that, uh, I guess psychologists, I guess say this, psychology says that the, the two, the two strongest emotions that we experience as, as human beings are, are love and fear. You know, when you, when you feel the, when you experience the love of another person, or if you feel the love for another person, I mean, like, what's what's more gripping than that? Um, and maybe, 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 maybe what the only other thing that might compete with that is when you're scared out of your head, like when you're just when you're just frightened to death about something. Um, and I think that's true. It's like love and fear. They they really guide us. Um, they they. They steer the steer the ship in a lot of ways, uh, and I think it's and I think it's kind of it, it, it's eternal, like in, in that it's kids feel it. You know, the the the, the first the, the kindergarten kid who's getting on the bus for the first time is 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 frightened and is like that going to school for the first time. The kid is scared. The mom and dad who are, who's letting the kid on the bus and desperately the kid is crying and, and wants to stay home but they know that they they got to let him go they're afraid the kid in high school is afraid the you know to mention this last week about you know you're going away to college for the first time you're leaving your kids away at school for the first time i mean everybody's scared your first job your uh end of life stuff you know their health issues so i mean man it's just there's no there's no getting around the fear um but I think you know if you go back to that priest at that funeral I mean he was he was frightened uh, as he was approaching this this task he was frightened but hearing his father hearing his father in the church took some of the fear away or maybe didn't even take the fear away but it, it helped him to realize like I am not alone, and I, I will, I will be able to do this. Um, and you can look at that. On, in his case, it was literally like my my father is in the room. My father is present. And on the larger, maybe more spiritual sense, it's well, God is always God is always in the room. God is always present. So take your take your scariest moments. I mean, that'd be a thing for, for us to consider. Like, what would be the you know, if you had a, say you had a list of the f five most frightening times in your life, you know, whatever they might be, um, God was always there. Like God, God was never not there. And I, the more we know, the better we know the shepherd, the less often we forget that. But if I'm not talking to the shepherd, and if I'm not letting him speak to me, if I'm not giving the shepherd time, then I'm not going to recognize his voice. And and I'm not going to realize he's there. And then I really think I am alone. And then maybe I don't step up to the task at hand. Maybe I do run. I bolt. Um, and hey, even even sometimes we, when we know God is present, it doesn't take the fear away. Sometimes we still run, you know, but we run less often. Um, so, I, yeah, I just, you know, I don't think there's ever get, the fear never goes away and it's a driving influence. But I think uh, knowledge of, of God's presence and, and other people, people just being with us.
it pushes the fear back. Absolutely. I mean, you said it best. I mean, when when we're scared, that's when we that's when we should be looking towards the good shepherds. And I guess once we get over our fear, that's when we can really step into the limelight ourselves to be uh, shepherds for other people in our lives. Right. But uh, th- that's great. So, uh, as always, Father, you know, a lot to reflect on. Um, I think we've touched this subject. Uh, perfectly. So before we go, uh, any final words on this, on the talk of being the good shepherd? Well, maybe just, maybe just, um, you know, I think I said some, some variation of this on Sunday, and it would be that I, I think, you know, the point of it all is we need to, uh, we need to have shepherds, we need to be shepherds, and we need to know the one true shepherd, you know, the one good shepherd. And uh, if we keep those three realities, those three sort of uh, challenges, ideals, tasks, constantly sort of close by, you know, who, who are the shepherds in my life? Who are the people that their voice puts me puts me at ease their voice gives me the confidence that I maybe was lacking and and now I just got it I got I got the confidence I needed because something they said something that I can remember that they said to me so who who are the the great influences in our lives and then I think it's sort of like it's like okay and I need to return that favor so you know to to whom or for whom am I a shepherd who are the people that I man, I hope I'm shepherd too. Like I hope when they hear when they hear your our voice, uh, they're given the hope they need. They're given the confidence they need. Um, and then maybe most importantly, it's we got to know Jesus. You know, the more we know Him, the more in relationship we are with Him, the more the, the better the first two things happen: knowing shepherds and being shepherds. Awesome. Well, thanks again so much for joining us, Father. We really appreciate it. Thank you. This was great. All right. For the listeners, don't forget, you can listen to Father's Gospels and homilies in past episodes. Also, we're going to need your questions, so please send in any questions to beachcatholicpodcast at gmail.com. Again, you can connect with us at facebook.com slash beachcatholicpodcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast if you've got an iPhone or an iPad. You can subscribe to the podcast app and iTunes. All other devices, you can subscribe on Stitcher. Um, As well, feel free to share with your loved ones. And we'll be back next week. Until then, God bless. Have a great night, Father. You too. Thanks, Lawrence.